Hello, and welcome to Macro ESG, Markets, Politics, and Technology for a Sustainable Future. Today is Sunday, the 11th of October, 2020, at 10.42 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Today's piece is entitled, Pandemic Rise in Trump Strongholds Will Push Stimulus Bill Through and Stocks Higher. Actionable Ideas. In areas of high Trump support, I have noticed substantially higher disregard for wearing masks in enclosed public areas. This combined with higher obesity rates, as well as weaker public health care systems, are creating a perfect storm for an acceleration of the pandemic in these areas. If infections rise in Trump areas before the election, this could push the market lower and push the Republicans to the table to meet Speaker Nancy Pelosi. A U.S. stimulus deal would be bullish for global equities. Maskless Trump supporters. Persistent widespread reports from parts of the country that are bastions of the Republican parties and Donald Trump's political support, where there are a surprising number of people who are going maskless in airports, hotels, and grocery stores. And people are doing this for political reasons, to show their commitment to the idea of personal freedom. More likely to get sick. And it's heartbreaking because it means that these maskless folks are much more likely to get sick and also to get other people sick. Moreover, the single biggest key variable in how one gets from how one gets um, sick uh, from the coronavirus is obesity. As an article in The Guardian uh, states, obesity increases risk of COVID-19 death by 48%, the study finds. Clearly shows the risks. And then there's a terrific graph. Uh, people with obesity are at far greater risk of hospitalization, intensive care, and death from COVID. Increased risk of ending up at hospital, 113%. Admission to intensive care, 74%, and death from COVID, 48%. Then I started to wonder, are obesity rates higher in Trump areas? And the answer is clearly yes, according to the following scholarly study. And, there, and I quote uh, from their uh, findings, We found that higher country-level, sorry, higher county-level obesity prevalence rates were associated with higher levels of support for the 2012 Republican Party presidential candidate in the association uh, between political inclination and obesity results from the 2012 presidential election in the United States by Michael E. Shin and William J. McCarthy. And there's a link in the blog, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, piece of research. Academic research on unhealthy swing voters. So then I went through sort of a long, uh, sort of a literary, a quick literary search, and it's very obvious. So here we go. But perhaps the most surprising finding is that the key swing voters who pushed Trump over the top, just barely, into the White House, are people who've been in poor health. What started with looking at obesity as a risk factor for the coronavirus pandemic became a source of solid data on a key feature of what brought Trump into power. I believe that these voters are in dire straits and they are desperate for someone to help them, even if they have to elect a reality TV star has been canceled. Why? Because they wanted someone to go in and wreck the system because the system has forgotten them. 
Below are a sample of academic research. The findings speak for themselves. And I quote uh, from, from different pieces. So, quote, association was found between county level WC rate and the vote margin for the Republican Party presidential candidate. The margin increased when uh, obesity rate increased from 11.8% to 34.1% in, the title of the piece is, Obesity Prevalence and Voting Behaviors in the 2016 U.S. Presidential Election by Ruo Peng An and Meng Meng Ji. There's a link. And another finding is, I quote, changes in county life expectancy from 1980 to 2014 were strongly negatively associated with Trump's vote share with less support for Trump in counties experiencing greater survival gains. Counties in which life expectancy stagnated or declined saw a 10 percentage point increase in the Republican vote share between 2008 and 2016. Residents of counties left out from broader life life expectancy gains abandoned the Democratic Party in the 2016 presidential election. Since coming to power, the Trump administration has proposed cuts to health insurance for the poor, social programs, health research, and environmental and worker protections, which are key determinants of population health. Health gaps likely will continue to widen without significant uh, public investment in population health. And the title of the piece is Diverging Life Expectancies and Voting Patterns in the 2016 U.S. Presidential Election by Jacob Bohr. Another finding is, and I quote, we also found that counties with wider health inequalities in life expectancy were more likely to vote Republican in 2016, regardless of the previous voting patterns. Counties with worsening premature mortality in the last 15 years and wider health inequalities shifted votes toward the Republican Party presidential candidate in, and the title of the piece, and I end quote, and the title of the piece, Swing voting in the 2016 presidential election in counties where midlife mortality has been rising in white non-Hispanic Americans by Usama Bilal, Emily Knapp, and Richard Cooper. And there's a great uh, chart which uh, lays out uh, some of their findings uh, in the piece. And And then another quote, in 2016, President Trump increased the Republican presidential vote percentage in 83.8% of counties compared with Senator McCain in 2008. Counties with an increased Republican vote percentage in 2016 versus 2008 had a 15% higher um, 2015 age-adjusted death rate than counties with an increased Democratic vote percentage. Since 2000, overall death rates declined by less than half as much, and death rates from drugs, alcohol, and suicide increased two and a half times as much in counties with Republican gains compared with counties with Democratic gains, end quote. And the title of the piece that this comes from is Independent Relationship of Change in Death Rates with Changes in U.S. Presidential Voting by Lee Goldman, Maribel Lim, uh, Kwishan Chen, Peng Jin, uh, Peter Mwing, and uh, Andrew... Agelos. And there's a fantastic chart, uh, which uh, a scatter plot, which shows um, their findings. And then uh, lastly, a uh, terrific piece, uh, and the quote is, the U.S. areas with high obesity levels were more likely to vote for Trump's Republican Party, comparing death for health districts in the U.K., the correlation between overweight and obese and Brexit votes Vote, votes results 
uh, very high, with a high correlation coefficient of 0.76. And the title of this that this quote comes from is, Could Obesity Be a Predictor of the Next Political Mayhem? by Geraldo Fortuna. And uh, it's a reporter covering some of the academic findings, and there's a terrific scatter plot showing um, overweight obesity to uh, Europe um, and the 2016 uh, Leave Europe referendum in the UK. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is some really interesting um, academic work, which I encourage you to take a look at. And I'd love to hear other studies that you find that, uh, that round this out or even contradict it if there are any. Um, so now we come to the next section. Progressive capitalism equals a sustainable future. Clearly, America's failed healthcare system is creating a permanent underclass that is running from one party to the other with each election. Like a loose piece of rolling ballast on a sailboat, every swing in the U.S. system forces this group to move from one extreme to another in each election cycle, becoming more desperate for a solution and knocking the boat of the U.S. system into a harder angle. If the U.S. keeps this up, the boat will eventually capsize, leading to a great many more costs just to right the ship, bail the water out, and set it underway again. This kind of negative feedback in the American system is a warning for the future of democracy in general. That is why I believe that the future of sustainability is intimately tied to what Nobel Prize-winning economist Joe Stiglitz calls progressive capitalism. In his new book, People, Power, and Profits, Progressive Capitalism for an Age of Discontent. Many of the book's ideas are succinctly expressed in his New York Times opinion piece, Progressive Capitalism is Not an Oxymoron, published on April 19th, 2020. Key quotes are, and I'm sort of taking liberty to take some larger quotes out. Um, number one, a progressive capitalism is based, based on an understanding of what gives rise to growth and societal well-being, gives us a way out of this quagmire, and a way up for our living standards. Standards of living began to improve in the late 18th century for two reasons. The development of science, we learned how to learn about nature and use that knowledge to increase productivity and longevity, and developments in social organization. As a society, we learned how to work together through institutions like the rule of law and democracies with checks and balances. Key to both were systems of assessing and verifying the truth. The real and long-lasting danger of the Trump presidency is the risk it poses to these pillars of our economy and society. Its attack on the very idea of knowledge and expertise and its hostility to institutions that help us discover and assess the truth. And he then goes on in another interesting quote. We are now in a vicious cycle. Greater economic inequality is leading in our money-driven political system to more political inequality with weaker rules and deregulation causing still more economic inequality. And then I add in parentheses, as the unhealthy swing voters clearly indicate above in the academic research. And back to his quote, if we don't change course, matters will likely grow worse as machines, artificial intelligence, and robots replace an increasing fraction of routine labor, including many of the jobs of the 7 million Americans making their living by driving. The prescription follows from the diagnosis. It begins by recognizing the vital role that the state plays in making markets serve society. We need regulations that ensure strong competition without abuse of exploitation, realigning the relationship between corporations and the workers they employ and the customers they are supposed to serve. 
we must be as resolute in combating market power as the corporate sector is in increasing it, end quote. Progressive capitalism equals the middle path. The two great economists of the 20th century, John Maynard Keynes and Friedrich Hayek, who set the ideological poles that global and domestic economic policies have buzzed between in the leading democracies, have left many wondering how this tension can be resolved. The neoliberals always argue that free markets haven't gone far enough, and the Keynesians argue that we haven't stayed the course. The truth is, based on the two political cycles that America has gone through under FDR and then the Reagan cycle, a middle path has to be established, trailblazed even by the United States. As America goes down the path of progressive capitalism under the Biden administration, which I believe is about to happen, other nations from around the world will follow the U.S., and this will lead to a form of sustainable growth that will lead us, as in the world, out of our deep problems from climate change and the biodiversity crisis to social justice, while keeping the great dynamic of markets and capitalism alive and more vital than ever before. This strategy, through its success, also has the enviable likelihood of putting China's state authoritarianism out of business as well. Investment Implications The Trump bastions are going to get much sicker than the rest of the country. The so-called red states have weaker public health care systems than the blue states. As these areas have tended to be the swing voters, we may see the rise and illness push these diehard Trump voters over to the Democratic column, driving Republican leaders and Trump to, to to seek to get a stimulus bill passed pronto. So that's it for today. Thank you very much for joining us. I wish you a very good, healthy, safe, and prosperous day. Bye-bye.